0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, It's great to be with you this morning. I'm just going to move this slightly before you put the water on it, Paul. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Um, Like I say, it's good to be with you. Um, As Sarah said, I've just been on a two-week holiday with four children. So I am refreshed. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Honest. Um, But it's it's great to be back. It genuinely is. it's, It's really nice to come home. Um, and we came home to our house yesterday, day before yesterday. Feels like longer, um, but uh, and we came home this morning to church, which is brilliant. And it's it's fantastic to be with you. Sarah said we're in the middle of, or kind of in the middle of a series, or getting towards the middle of a series um, of uh, go for the lost, make disciples. And Michael kicked. The series off last week. If you were here, then, then you'll know. If you weren't, like I wasn't, then you can catch up online. And I, I did, and it, I'm really glad that I did. He puts the series into context in such a brilliant way, looking at the Great Commission, which is what this whole thing is kind of based on. The Great Commission is a passage of scripture from... Um, detailing what Jesus said to his disciples after he was raised from the dead and almost his parting words to them before they went on to do great things themselves and he, he left them, um, but before the Holy Spirit came. But the Great Commission, which is going to come up on the screen, um, is a scripture that looks at a specific command that Jesus had for the disciples and had, has for us. And it says this, it says, Then the eleven disciples, because we obviously lost of the age or the very end of the age so it's both a command and a promise it's a command to go and make disciples but it's also a promise that he will be with you as you go and michael put it fantastically last week looking at the the fact that we actually focus so much on the go often we talk about the next um, thing, or we talk about, or we think about when we think about go and make disciples. We think about the destination, or sometime in the future, or when I've got it all together, or maybe when I'm a better example of what a Christian should be, or maybe sometime when I've got X, Y, and Z sorted, or when the church puts on another event, or the next time something comes up, then I'll actually go and, and make disciples. But um, I actually I became a Christian at a church event, so I'm not knocking church events in any any way at all. I, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. Um, I gave my life um, in uh, an event. It was J. John who came to the church that I was at, a fantastic preacher who many of you will know, and uh, I gave my life to Jesus at that point. But much like probably most people in the room, that wasn't a sudden thunderclap out of nowhere. That was the culmination of a journey, and everybody is on a journey to Jesus. And actually, if you think about it, everybody is on a journey to an encounter with Jesus. The Bible makes it quite clear that At some point, everyone is going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account of their life. So everyone is going to have an encounter with Jesus. What we have is an opportunity to potentially influence what kind of encounter that will be. And if you think about it in that way, it sometimes changes your perspective on how you think about talking about your faith. Because actually, you're essentially preparing people for the inevitable, which is an encounter with Jesus. And hopefully we can bring that encounter a little bit further forward in terms of time. But like I say, my um, choice to follow Jesus was a point in my journey, but it was the culmination of a journey of lots of people speaking to me and and giving me insights and, and talking to me about Jesus, demonstrating Jesus to me, and getting me to the point where I could actually make a choice that it wasn't just going to be their story, it wasn't just going to be a nice story, it was going to be my story. And that's what we want to do. Even if you don't see yourself going out and converting masses for Jesus, whether you see yourself doing that or not is kind of irrelevant to a certain extent. Um, But you can still influence the journey that somebody is on, on their way to Jesus. So we need to remember that the decision to follow Jesus is a key step, but it's not the only step. So just setting the context a little bit for what we're going to talk about. And it says, go and make... Disciples, And when you make disciples, or when you make anything, sometimes it takes time. It takes a bit of time to actually construct something or create something or make something. It's a process. Just like our own journey, the people around you will be on a process. They will be on a journey to meeting Jesus. So it can take time. And Michael reminded us that Jesus' meaning in the original um, translation, when he said, go... It didn't actually mean kind of go in the future. It was a case of while you are going, present tense, as you're going, while you're going, wherever you happen to be, make disciples. So that's wherever you happen to be in your life, wherever you happen to be placed, wherever you happen to work, wherever you happen to live, whatever circumstances you happen to be in, make disciples. That's what we're talking about when we talk about making disciples. Now, that's what Michael was talking about, and that's kind of the context for what we're going to say um, this morning. What we're actually going to say this morning is about Jesus' example. So we're going to look at the calling of the 12 disciples and how Jesus called his disciples and how he went about bringing them to a point where they could answer the invitation to follow. Because that's what we're looking at this morning. Is it's an invitation to follow. That's all we're looking for and that's what we're going to look at this morning with jesus so interestingly the bible doesn't actually show us the calling of 12 disciples it shows us the calling of seven i don't know if you've ever counted um but it it doesn't actually detail five of the disciples calling we don't know what happened to them we don't know how they ended up following jesus we know about seven so i'm not sure why five didn't make the cut the ones that we know about are Andrew and Peter, James and John, Nathaniel and Philip, and Matthew. The other ones, can anyone remember their names? Because they tend to be the lesser known. Judas and Judas, helpfully, there's two. Bartholomew? Thaddeus, yes. Points, points. I said James. Gary. It's not Gary. <laughs> Now, I'm doubting myself as I'm standing here because I didn't actually write it down in my notes. I think it's Bartholomew. It's Bartholomew. Oh, yes. Did I say Bartholomew? I don't. It's, either way. They, they don't tend to feature very much in the Bible for some reason. And like I say, I'm not sure why they don't make the cut, but you can be sure when the Bible includes seven that God has something to teach us about those seven experiences because if they're the ones that were included, then there's got to be something key that's going to come out from it. So I've actually divided these seven into three broad categories. I like simplifying things a little bit. My wife says I overcomplicate things, but I believe I like to simplify things. Um, so we go seven down into three. So three categories, and they are the fisherman, the taxman, and the friend. Okay. Now, immediately on that, I thought, that's a joke. There's got to be a joke in there somewhere. So I thought, well, a fisherman, taxman, and a friend walk into a bar. You would think one of them would deduct? That's it. Just that's the only punch. See, that's my response as well. That's the only punchline I could come up with. I spent ages racking my brains trying to come up with a punchline for this joke. The, the closest I got was looking at taxman, fisherman. There's got to be a grosser net joke in there somewhere. Didn't really get it. I should have thought of a joke about fisherman's friend. That would have been mint. <laughs> come on. It took me three days to think of that, and that's the best. If you can think of a better joke, then please um, keep it to yourself. That'll be fine, because I think that one's quite good. But we've got these three categories of people. Now, we're going to look at these three categories of people, thinking about people that we may encounter in life and how we can communicate the gospel to them, but also thinking about ourselves, because remember, we're all on that journey. So we're all daily having an invitation to follow Jesus. When we wake up in the morning, we have a choice of whether to follow Jesus or not in the circumstances that we exist in. So we have that choice both to demonstrate the gospel to people and think about them, and we're going to think about the application to ourselves as well. So first group of people are the fishermen. Now, we actually come across these people several times in the Bible, and there's a few different accounts of how Jesus calls them. So the first one is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says this, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So that's the account in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, at this point, we should go, I'm sorry, what? They just dropped everything and followed a random bloke who walked up on the beach and said, come and follow me. Who does that? And genuinely, who does that? I mean, seriously, we, we all have responsibilities. I have responsibilities. I've got kids. I've got you know a mortgage. I've got all sorts of different things. I can't just drop everything, and and follow some person, especially somebody that I've never met before. So you kind of think, well, there's got to be a bit more to that. Sometimes you think, well, maybe that's just a little bit simplistic. And you think, is it okay to call the Bible simplistic? Well, I've undenied about about this because we know that Scripture is God breathed and everything that that. Um, all the power that God has through the scripture, and that there is so much richness to get out of the text. But we also recognize the limitations of the amount of words you can fit into a book and the chapter, and all of that sort of thing. So sometimes we've got to look elsewhere to get a full story, which is why I believe the Bible's given us four gospels. So the four gospels are giving us different accounts of the same story. Now, this features in three of them. We're going to look at Luke. So Gospel of Luke chapter five, 1 to 11 says, one day, as Jesus was standing, not walking, standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. The other partners are James and John, right? And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink, Now, if you were to write a condensed version of that story, it would kind of be there were some fishermen by the side of the lake. Jesus came along, said, follow me, and they followed him, which is what we read in Matthew. This gives us a little bit more context and a little bit more information. There is a backstory, which is that before they left everything, before they followed Jesus, there was an encounter with Jesus. There was a miracle. And Jesus did a miracle, not in the temple, not in, While he was preaching, not in the altar call after he was preaching, if he did altar calls or whatever they did, but in their everyday workplace. He took them out on the boat and did a miracle in their everyday lives, wherever they happened to be, wherever they were at in that moment. To a certain extent, these fishermen were minding their own business. They were mending their nets. They weren't anticipating an encounter with God. But God had other plans. And to a certain extent... We have people in our lives that are like that. There are people that we work with, people that we live with, people that we go to school with, or whatever you happen to do, that aren't anticipating an encounter with God. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to encounter them. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan to encounter them. And that's the same for us. We can fall into the trap sometimes of being a fisherman. I'd like you to, audience participation, turn to the person next to you and say, I am a fisherman. I've always wanted to do that. That's, it's one of those kind of preacher things. You get person. But there we go. Um, because we can be guilty of just falling into everyday life. You know, just life goes on. We're not anticipating an encounter with God because we expect life to carry on as it always has done. We go to work. We do what we need to do. We get on with our own business. And we don't necessarily encounter or expect to encounter Jesus. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an invitation to follow. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want to be there. It doesn't mean that there there doesn't need to be an encounter with him. You know, when we invite Jesus into our everyday lives, he can do a miracle. He can do a miracle in your daily day-to-day, in your workplace, in your home. Wherever it happens to be that you need a miracle, he can. But you need to invite him. You need to allow Jesus to get into the boat. Jesus got into the boat... With Peter and preach to the crowd. Now, Peter's there mending his nets, but also listening to what's going on. And Jesus knew this. I mean, we don't know whether that was Jesus' motivation in the first place for getting into the boat. It may have been that I'm just going to get in the boat because I'm going to preach to these people, but as a side effect, in the meantime, he can listen to everything I'm saying as well. We don't know, but we know that Jesus got into the boat. Jesus wants to get into the boat. Whatever your boat happens to be, workplace, school, university, whatever it is, Jesus wants to get into the boat. Take him with you. Invite him into that place. I think sometimes we can um, kind of fall into the trap of taking scriptures in isolation. I know I've done that in my life, and I'll give you a specific example. Um, Like I say, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old, and obviously after 12 years old, I became a teenager fairly soon. Um, And that's an interesting time of life, both discovering who you are in kind of day-to-day, but also who who I was as as a Christian. That was part of my walk was going through those teenage years trying to figure out how do I relate to God? How do I exist as a Christian? How do I go to school and tell people I'm a Christian? And uh, I also have this kind of personality of if I can find a loophole, I will exploit it. So... um, I actually I latched onto a particular scripture and I latched onto a couple of um, teachings that I'd come across as well and took them in isolation, so out of context, right? But the scripture was John 13 35, which was, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because you love one another, okay? Or because you have love for one another. Now, I took that, which is a brilliant scripture, and it is fantastic, and there's a huge amount of truth in that, and we are absolutely meant to demonstrate love for one another, and I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, in isolation, we can almost eliminate Jesus from the equation. Because I thought, brilliant, all I've got to do is live differently. All I've got to do is demonstrate something different. All I've got to do is love the people around me, and be a nice guy, essentially, and people will ask. And I heard preachers about this. People will say, What's different about you? What is it about you that's different from other people? Why are you so loving? Why are you so generous? Why are you so nice? And my heart wasn't right in my interpretation of that message or my interpretation of that scripture because I thought, okay, I don't actually need to tell people that I'm a Christian. I'll just live in a different way and then people will ask. Only they never did. Which he probably knew was coming. Because essentially I was a nice guy. And I'm good at being a nice guy, don't get me wrong. But I'd removed Jesus from the equation. And that is where the potential for a miracle lies. Jesus has to be in the boat. You can't just be a nice guy. You can't just be generous. You can't just be loving. Jesus has to be there as well. Now, there is value in loving one another. There is value in demonstrating something different. There is value in being generous to people. But if you do that at the expense of bringing Jesus into the situation, then it loses the power, is my experience. And I'm not saying that it can't happen. That's just been my experience. And what happened was those friendships and those relationships that I thought those eventually these people will ask. They'll ask, why you know, why? I am different or, or what they, they didn't ask and I left school because that was the time of life I was in and I moved on and so those people are still on a journey to an encounter with Jesus but I missed my opportunity to influence that journey. Can I encourage you to take Jesus in the boat with you? Be all of those things, be generous, be loving, demonstrate all of that fruit of the spirit and everything that we need to do but make sure that Jesus comes with you. What do I mean by that Practically. Don't sit on your faith. Don't hide it. Now, you don't have to ram it down people's throats. You don't have to preach it or anything like that. But just be open about it. Allow Jesus to be in the boat, not hidden under a parcel or hidden under a covering, but in the boat. Jesus preached to the crowd while Peter was there. He wasn't preaching at Peter, but there was an opportunity for an encounter with Jesus and an opportunity for a miracle. Make sure that Jesus comes into the boat with you, because then there's an opportunity for a miracle. And that's important for those who don't know Jesus, that you encounter day-to-day, the fisherman, but it's also important for you as a fisherman. In your day-to-day, don't leave Jesus at home. Bring him with you. you know, pray about your workplace. Pray about your colleagues. Pray about the people that you're going to bump into. Bring Jesus with you. Jesus wants to take us further. There's an invitation to follow. So the Great Commission is all authority and heaven and on earth have been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Without the authority of Jesus, the go has no purpose. It's the therefore because of his authority over your life, because you've come under his covering, because you've allowed him into the boat, you can go and make disciples. Otherwise, you may just go. So it has to start with Jesus. So that's the first group, fishermen. Okay. Second group, taxman. We like the taxman. Taxman um, is Matthew. Now Matthew tells his own story. And he does something that you would, see, you would almost interpret as quite vain in the Bible, in that he talks about himself in the third person, which I think is the coolest thing that you should do if you're ever writing a book. Talk about yourself in the third person. But Matthew 9, 9 to 13, says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Sounds familiar? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, Pharisees were the religious teachers of the day. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So this is a tax collector. Now notice the religious leaders put tax collectors and sinners in the same bracket. Okay? That gives you an idea of what kind of person they thought that Matthew was as a tax collector. He was the lowest of the low, public enemy number one. And that's because he was seen as part of the occupying regime of the civilization at the time, which was the Roman Empire. He was part of that system, and the way that he earned his money was by taking a cut off the top of the people's taxes that he collected for the Romans. So he wasn't a particularly nice guy. He was shunned by the religious organization. He was distant from God. He was interpreted almost seen as the furthest away you could possibly get from where he should be to have an encounter with God. So the taxman are those people that you know you shouldn't. But if we're honest, sometimes we look at people and think, I can't ever see them getting to be a Christian. I can't ever see them having an encounter with Jesus. And there are people in this room who have been a tax man. Okay? So it is possible. And in your day-to-day life, You may be a taxman or feel like a taxman on occasion where you feel like you are the furthest away you could possibly get from God. Whether it's because of something you've done, whether it's because of something you've said, whether it's because of the situation you found yourself in. You've just drifted over years and just found yourself in the opposite place than you thought you would be. Sometimes in life we find ourselves as the furthest away we could possibly get to where we think we should be to encounter God. So you know taxmen. You know people that you think, I, can't, I, just, I just can't see it. And you know that it's possible to feel like that as well. But regardless of which you experience, there's still an invitation to follow. Jesus comes and says, follow me. Now, this, again, is a, quite a simple explanation of the story. There will be a backstory. Whether that's the encounter with Jesus or not, there will be a backstory in Matthew's life. There will be a backstory in Matthew's heart. There will be a process that's got him to the point where he said, You know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to follow this map. There will be a backstory. We're just not aware of it. Now, those people that you look at and think, I can't ever see it, there is a backstory going on in their life. Jesus is knocking at their door and has been for a long time and will continue to do so you can be a part of that journey. Whether you see the transformation or not, you can be a part of their journey to an encounter with Jesus. Don't give up hope. Speak life. Sometimes we're guilty of saying that when we look at people and think, actually, you know, I just can't see it. They're never going to get into church. The Bible says that there is power of life and death in the tongue. Be aware of what you say. And choose... To speak life. Whether you see it or not, choose to speak life into those situations. Choose to speak positivity and life into that. For Matthew, what he needed was an invitation to follow. Jesus offered him that. You can offer a taxman an opportunity to follow, an invitation to follow. They may not accept it. That's not your responsibility. Providing the opportunity and the invitation is if you feel like a taxman this morning, like you are far away and you're distant from God, there is an invitation to follow this morning. There is no road that you can go down that you cannot come back. There is no situation that you can get yourself embroiled in that Jesus cannot break the bonds of. There is an opportunity to follow. So that's two groups of people. Fisherman, taxman. Okay? Third group of people is the friends. Now... The friends, we're going to look at two different groups. The first two, you may have come across before. In John 1, 35 to 42, it says, The next day... John, this is John the Baptist, not James and John. John the Baptist was the guy that God sent ahead of Jesus to declare the way of the Lord, to proclaim that Jesus was coming. He was, a voice, he was a prophet who stood in the desert and preached to the people that they need to repent and turn from their sins. And he had his own disciples. So the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So this is Andrew and Peter again. They're the two fishermen that Jesus walked up and said, follow me, and they followed him. They're the two fishermen in the boat that Jesus came and sat in the boat and preached and then took them out into the water, did a miracle, and then they came back to land and they followed him. And Andrew was one of John's disciples who then brought Peter to Jesus. So which story is it? The answer is probably all of them. People are complicated. There's a backstory. It's possible to fit into more than one camp and more than one situation because they're on a journey. So all of these events happened. They just happened at different moments in time. There is a process to following Jesus. There's a journey to getting to that point of making a decision. So these guys fitted into two categories. And my main point with this is that you may assume that you know the journey that somebody is on to follow Jesus. We may assume that we know our own journey that we're on to follow Jesus. Actually, I think that we don't really understand much about our own journey a lot of the time. I know I certainly don't. I find that I understand it in hindsight. I'm really good at looking back and seeing where God has worked in my life. I don't always recognize it at the time. So when that miracle comes, sometimes you get to a point in life and you look back and go, how on earth did we get here? And it's because of the grace of God and the love of God and his hand on our life. And sometimes that happens with other people as well, strangely enough. So when we look at other people and we think, "Yeah," you know, I, I we think we can see where they are with God, actually, we have no idea. Often, I'm not sure that we have any idea where we are with God <laughs> as, a, as a general rule, um, but when you look at other people, remember they're on a journey. They're complicated, okay? Um, so don't judge people, but allow yourself to bring Jesus into the boat. Allow yourself to give them the opportunity and the invitation to follow. So we also see it in another pair of guys straight after this, though, in the next few verses. John 1, 43 to 51, says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, we don't know whether he was looking for Philip or whether he just stumbled across him in the street, whether he knew Philip before, we don't know. But he found Philip and said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel, which is a great name, by the way. One of my children is called Nathaniel, for those who don't know. It's, it's a brilliant name. Um, and said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Philip and Nathanael were in a different situation. Philip and Nathanael had a desire to see the Messiah. They had a desire to see the coming of God's chosen one. They didn't know it was Jesus until that point, but then when they discovered it, they went and told one another. Nathaniel, we don't know as having been in a difficult situation or having been in a controversial situation or being public enemy number one, like the tax man, we know that he was desiring to see God move. This, I believe, is about remembering that we're on a journey. This is about people who have already Desire to follow Jesus. Have already chosen to follow Jesus, but just want more. They want more of God. They want to see a move of God. They want to see God transform their communities. They want to see God change their world. They want to see something new. And Jesus says, "There is more that you believe because of your experience, but actually, you will see greater things than this." And interestingly, Philip, when he when Jesus called him, said, "Follow me." thought of nathaniel said hold on i know somebody who would love this who needs to be in on this who wants to be in on this next move of god that this is where god is moving this is what we're doing i need to bring them in i need to get him to come with me and this personally i believe is talking about us as a church that we can disciple one another When we say, go and make disciples, yes, we want to go for the lost. Yes, we want to bring people in. Yes, we want to bring people to that first encounter with Jesus. But also, we want to see each one of us in the church go further with God, go deeper with God. That if there is something that God is saying to you, if there is something that God is speaking to you, that it's okay to go to people and say, do you know what, you've got to come and get in on this. You've got to come and see where Jesus is taking us. That we have an opportunity to bring an invitation to follow whether that's whatever position they happen to be in whatever position you happen to be in there is always more nathaniel was interested he was open but he was invited somebody invited him to come wherever you are on your journey with jesus there's an invitation to follow so you may be a fisherman you may be a taxman you may be a friend you may know some fishermen, you may know a taxman, you may know some friends, but there is an invitation to follow deeper. So three groups of people, all very different, but actually, if we look at their experiences, Jesus' approach to them was the same. He chose them. He chose them regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, regardless of what was going on. Okay, they were chosen. They were called. There was an opportunity created. They had an invitation to follow. And they were cultured. If you read the Bible, look at the way that Jesus was with his disciples. He shared his life with them. He spent time with them. When he was having difficulty, they knew about it. When he was having a good time, they knew about it, and they understood why. He cultured people. They were chosen. They were called They were cultured, and he commanded them. He commanded them to go and make disciples. All of those things can be true for us. All of those things can be true for the people that you encounter day to day. Go for the lost. Make disciples. You can choose to allow people to have an invitation to Jesus. You can choose to influence their journey to get to Jesus. Just bring Jesus into the boat. You can call people. Give them that invitation. Wherever they are on their journey, give them that invitation. You can culture people. When you're having a difficult time, be open about it. But be open about the hope that you have as well. Bring Jesus into the boat. Whatever the weather is, bring him in allow him to take over that situation and we are commanded to go and make disciples wherever you happen to be going whatever you happen to be doing whatever your situation happens to be make disciples there's an invitation to follow we've talked about different places on the journey to encountering jesus If you are early in your journey to encounter Jesus and you don't know him yet or you haven't invited him into your life yet and you would like to, there is an invitation to follow this morning. Can I encourage you, if that's you, come and talk to somebody at the front, one of the leadership team, come and talk to the Embrace team at the back. Let them know and they'd love to pray with you and spend time with you. Equally, if you are further along in your journey and you just want to go deeper, you just want more there's an invitation to follow this morning if there's something that sparked in your mind and that can be one of two things one is looking at you so if there is something in you that you just want to go you just want to go further you want to go deeper then get somebody to pray with you this morning there's an invitation to get closer to Jesus this morning the other is if when i was talking about the fisherman the taxman or the friend somebody sprung to mind act on that pray for them Choose to bring Jesus into the boat and be open about your faith. For some of you, that may be the first time you've ever been open about your faith before. Once you do it the first time, it will get easier. But it can be difficult at first. But choose to allow Jesus into the boat. Remember, you have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of boldness and of power. Allow Jesus to come with you.